You're listening to audio from Open Door Baptist Church, located at 300 Pleasant Street in Belmont, Massachusetts. If you would like to learn more about ODBC or give to our ministry, check us out at www.opendoorbelmont.com. Beautiful singing, wonderful songs. I thank you for everyone that gave us a a song for this service this morning. Um, But as you know, today is our annual pie and praise Sunday. It's a, a tradition of many Baptist churches uh, to take time, um, th- maybe a one Sunday out of the year, to testify about the goodness of Jesus Christ and saving souls. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. It's going to be a, a shorter message today because the idea is that we will go downstairs and we will hear testimonies um, from a couple of people, and then we will also eat together as well. Um, we're going to be in the book of Acts, so you can turn to the book of Acts, but I, I just wanted to bring up Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11, as I think about pie and praise. Um, it reads, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers, that is Satan, has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Verse 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Some of your Bibles may say the word of their witness. And they did not love their life even to death. Uh, The church overcomes Satan by faith in Jesus and their testimony, loving God more than they love their own life. So I wanted to look at that this morning as we prepare to go downstairs and actually hear these beautiful and wonderful testimonies, how God entered our lives, different walks of life and how God entered them. So if you could turn to Acts chapter 16 we actually see the beginning of the Philippian church in Acts chapter 16. Let let us, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you of the great testimony of your great love for us, that you sent your only son, Jesus, to stand in our place, to die for our sins, in order that we may be forgiven and receive eternal life in order that we may be called into your family, in order that we may be glorified with you and your son because of who you are. All this was done by grace. Father, I thank you for what you have done for us. And I pray that we would be able to look at these testimonies and be reminded of what you're doing in the world today as well, that you are still saving people. You are still opening eyes to the truth of your son, Jesus Christ, to the truth of your love, your gospel. So, Father, I pray that your people here that know you, we would be motivated even more to testify about who you are. Let's call this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, This is the beginning of the Philippian church that we find in Acts 16. And so in Philippi, this is northeastern Greece, Macedonia, well, they had become a Roman colony. 
Now, Philippi, it, it, it prided itself on religious devotion to Roman emperors and also to worshiping pagan deities. And there was no synagogue in this area due to the small Jewish population. So in Philippi, there's this, 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 there's this spirit of unity, but the unity is really founded upon spiritual darkness. Uh, it's a city that's proud to be Roman. Um, loyal to their king. And it's, a, it's actually a city of free people during this time. And so when I think about uh, Philippi and when I think about Ephesus as well, I often think of Boston and New York, uh, places that are very influential when it comes to education and also very influential when it comes to religion. And Paul, what happens is he enters this darkness with the light of the gospel. And of course, he's resisted by many people. But yet the power of Jesus is able to establish a church in this wicked city. It's amazing, but it's also a miracle. Uh, do miracles still happen today? Yes. Every single time someone is saved, a miracle happens. I say that because Jesus tells us himself, he says, people love the darkness over light. And Paul even says that, that humans are blinded by the God of this age. And yet even in the midst of that, people are still being saved today. Even many of us here right now that we were here today. But it happens in our text. And I just thought it would be great for us to very quickly look at three converts. We'll, we'll look at the beginning of the Philippian church and look at these three uh, converts. I want you to pay attention how different these uh, these individuals were to each other. And yet, even though they were different, they still were suffering from the same disease, a life without Christ. And the gospel breaks through. And so I hope we're encouraged today as we hear the testimonies here in the text. And then we go downstairs and hear the testimonies. Um, and I hope we're encouraged to see other people freed from the chain of sins, freed from the chains of Satan. I hope we're, we're motivated as Christians to, to want to go forth with our testimony um, to see people freed. I hope we could say with Paul, as Paul says in Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. So in Paul's second missionary journey, we see um, in verse 9 of chapter 16 that Paul has received a vision in which he saw a Macedonian man calling for help, which Paul took as a spiritual calling. And then while he's there in Philippi, Paul goes looking for a synagogue as he typically would do, but he doesn't find one due to there only being this small Jewish community. Instead, he finds a woman studying the scriptures in verse Acts chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. Let's read that. And a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, whose heart the Lord opened to pay attention to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, that Greek name, uh, meaning a uh, woman from Lydia, uh, Lydia was an Asian island. <clears throat> Lydia is the first European convert, yet, at, at, yet she may have been Asian. Um, her home was in Philippi, which actually tells us that she was very wealthy. Wealthy and had a home big enough for Paul and his crew, as we will actually see later. Uh, she also was a dealer in purple cloth, and so she had her own business. 
Uh, she was a, a CEO, a CEO of purple cloth, if you will, which is usually worn by the wealthy. She was a, a God fear, meaning she 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 believed in the Jewish God, but she hadn't fully converted yet. Um, she she understood the law, but we know that us Christians know there is no hope in the law. Romans three twenty tells us this: Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What that passage says right there is the law, it shows us that we are sinners in need of a savior. So here we have this business owner, Lydia. She's participating in this this woman's Bible study. She's studying scripture, uh, only has the law. She's trying to work her way to heaven and she's just trying to be a, a good person. How many people do we know like that? Maybe even today in this room. What Paul does is he comes in, he says, hold up, Lydia. Jesus fulfilled the law. And then he gives the gospel to Lydia. And it says in verse 14 that God opened her heart. Now, what does that sound like? To me, that sounds Lydia sounds like a seeker. How many people do we know? They're not hostile to the idea of there being a God in heaven, uh, and they're, they're trying to be uh, good enough to be right with God. I relate with Lydia so much because that was my story. I wasn't hostile to the idea of there being a God in heaven. So just in case he's actually up there, I want to make sure that I that I don't do anything that's really too bad. You get what I'm saying? I want to be able to I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to murder anybody. So when I stand before God, I can say, God, I've done some bad things. But the guy behind me, that's the problem. You, you should be able to let me in because I haven't did anything that that person has done behind me. Thanks be to God. A pastor in Framingham explained the gospel to me that my good works are just not good enough. They are tainted with sinful nature. I've broken the commandments of God. Yet Jesus is perfect and he died and he will represent me in my place if I place my faith in him. I don't know what happened, but I heard the gospel before and rejected it. But that day, I placed my faith in Christ like Lydia that day. God opened my heart to in my ears to understand the gospel. We'll see later that Lydia offers her home for the entire team. So Lydia, she's saved and Paul and his team are blessed with a home to stay in. And we see strategically from there, they actually strategically figure out how they're going to spread the gospel from her home. The next lady we meet is in Acts 16, verse 16 through 18. It's a slave girl. It says, now it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, this is verse 16, a servant girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul, bless you, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are slaves of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And she continued doing this for many days, but being greatly annoyed, Paul turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to leave her. And it left at that very moment. So we have a slave girl. She's Greek. She's not Asian. She's not a business owner. She was a medium that was controlled by demons and a slave owner and being, she was owned by people. She was a slave. They were using her fortune telling skills 
for gain. She's following Paul saying these men are servants of the most high God who are proclaiming the way of salvation. Uh, she is saying that these men are the servants of the absolute sovereign God. You know, it's interesting that demons, they know the word of God as Satan showed us during his temptation to our Lord Jesus. So this slave girl, uh, this demon is basically mocking Paul and his team. She keeps saying this, Paul rebukes her, and then the demon comes out of her. She's saved. She can no longer tell the future. Uh, how many people do we know that are caught up in spirituality that rejects the God of scripture, but embraces the idea of good and bad spirits? You, do you get what I'm saying? How many people do we know that reject Jesus, but believe in witchcraft? What about astrology, right? How many people do we know that reject Jesus, but they check their horoscopes every day? You know, astrology is interesting because it's very popular today, but it also involves your will, your, your desires, even your mood. It desires your future. People are looking at the stars before they go out. It controls you like this slave girl is being controlled. These spiritual people are slaves to what Timothy calls in 1 Timothy 4.1, doctrines of demons. The saddest thing about Christians today in the West is we don't take spiritual warfare seriously enough. The enemy Satan is blinding people to the gospel. He's given them false doctrine, false hope. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, Satan is literally called the God of this age. Yet, like with this slave girl, many people are being set free from this lifestyle. They are being set free from the gospel, uh, by the gospel. Paul says in verse 18, in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to come out of her. You have to think this is not just some story in the past. This is happening still today. How many people in Belmont are possibly caught up in this spiritual darkness? The gospel breaks the chains of Satan. I, I've told you before how what a blessing it was and what an honor it was that in Fitchburg, when me and Q had the opportunity to go to this lady's house and we got to uh, um, um, lead her to Christ. And she she was in, into witchcraft and she man, she was she was not she was not just a tree hugger. She was really into witchcraft. And um, man, it was crazy. And we got to lead her to Christ and we got to watch her actually throw away all of these idols that she had in her house. And as she threw them away, she, she put them on fire and they started screeching. Like, ah, I'm just kidding on that part, but <laughs> I just messing around. That didn't happen at all. But, <laughs> um, here's what did happen though. This really did happen. Um, the next day she called and said, me and my daughter actually had a good night of sleep. We, we feel like we have a, a, a new start. Man, that was, that was an hour away from here in uh, Fitchburg. But how many people here? How many people in the city, in your city, maybe are dealing with witchcraft, that are slaves to sin, that are bound? So if you're keeping up, I'm almost done. We have a businesswoman who's saved through dialogue and the Holy Spirit, uh, opened her eyes to Jesus being the fulfillment of the law, right? Paul talks to her through dialogue. We have this demon-possessed slave girl, freed from demon possession by the power of Jesus' name. And when this is happening, if you continue in the story, the gospel causes this. When he frees that slave girl, this causes chaos because now these these owners of this girl, they cannot make money off her anymore. So they go to the police and they, they get upon them arrested. And when you mess with people's way of life, they aren't too happy about that. That leads to the third convert. If you can go to verse 23 and 24, we see the jailer. 
And when they had afflicted them, this is talking about being they had afflicted Paul and his crew with many wounds. They threw them into prison, commanding to jailer to guard them securely, who, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So Paul and his team, they're stripped, they're beaten and they're thrown into prison. The jailer fastens uh, their feet into the stocks. Um, but I want you to notice, though, in verse 23, the jailer was not told to torture Paul. He was just told to watch them. Um, but he goes even further and tortures them. This is an evil man who is cruel to prisoners and he's very prideful. Maybe you've worked with people who like this, who take their job way too seriously, who use their job as a way to, to get back at people. Uh, uh, their job is their life. Uh, they've become very bitter. They're at, they're sometimes you, when you're talking to them, it feels like, man, they're just zombies, right? I, I knew a guy in the military who he was a sergeant and he said, man, he became, he joined the military uh, to, 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 to make it up the ranks so he could be a bully because he used to get bullied, right? right? There are many people that, that approach life that way. They're angry, they're upset. Um, and as we see with this man here who tortures Paul, in his crew, even though he wasn't supposed to. But even in the midst of being in jail and being tortured, Paul and Silas are praying and they're singing hymns in verse 25. There's an earthquake. The doors of the cells are open and the jailer, he's sleeping on the job. He awakens and he doesn't see the prisoners and he thinks to himself, oh, no, they must have escaped. So he goes to actually kill himself because if he would be in trouble for the prisoners escaping. We know from Acts 12 that when Peter escaped from jail by the angel of the Lord, those guards on duty that night, they were all killed. So this guard thinks it's probably in my best interest for me to kill myself now. Yet Paul stops him. Paul says, don't run. We are still here. And what we see in this is that an earthquake and Paul not leaving, well, it does something, something to the prisoner. And the prisoner says, what must I do to be saved? Paul responds, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And so the jailer is actually saved and then invites Paul and the team over for dinner, is baptized with his family. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing story. Now, how many people do we know like this jailer trying to make it, raise a family, just turn into robots, right? Paying bills, go to work. They've turned cold. They've turned bitter. Their life is their work. And then a Christian comes and shows them there's more to life than just working. There's more to life than this. The, uh, the gospel can bring true purpose to your life. It can bring new characteristics, uh, a new family, a personal relationship with the creator of the universe and his people. I love hearing testimonies of um, people coming to Christ through a friend at work. Uh, I hear them all the time. Um, I was saved by this guy that a new employee that came to church or this woman, a new woman who came to church, I mean, to, to work. And they were really open about their faith. I think that's really cool because as Christians, we should see our jobs as a mission field. We should see the places that we hang out at the gym or the park as a mission field. The jailer asks Paul in Acts 16, 30 through 31, he says, um, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your house. As we close, we see this beautiful image. If you go all the way to verse 40, it says, and they went out the prison 
and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brothers, they encouraged them and they left. I think that's a, uh, I think that's a very beautiful picture because we have these three different, these three people from different walks of life. The only thing they actually have in common is Jesus. And that's it. Um, that's all they have. Like there's, there's, they wouldn't be friends probably outside of Jesus Christ. I was just talking to a, a brother today. I was like, wow, like what, what joins us together is Jesus Christ. And many of us from different walks of life, even in this room, right? The, the one thing that joins us together is the gospel. Um, can you imagine them all at the table in Lydia's house? You have a jailer who had just been port torturing Paul. You have Lydia. You have the slave girl all sitting at a table. Uh, I bet Lydia and the jailer had a lot of questions for the slave girl. I, I know I would. <laughs> I know I would have had a lot of questions for her. But can you imagine other people seeing them hanging out? Like, look at this this weird crew. I, you know, when Christians go out to eat at restaurants, people are always looking because it's usually a group of people that normally wouldn't be hanging out together. Rich, poor, uh, different races. Um, all together laughing at a table, having joy. People looking in that don't know God, they don't understand it. It looks weird, right? But that's, that's the gospel. That's, that's the church. All different testimonies. And also, I want to know, say this about testimonies. You have Lydia coming to Christ through a dialogue. You, uh, so there's no demons, right? No crazy testimony going on right there. Just a conversation of God opening her heart to understand the gospels. You have the slave girl, demon possession, being rescued. You have the jailer coming to Christ through a miracle, a, a earthquake. And my point is that every testimony is valuable in the kingdom of God. Don't think because your testimony may not be some miraculous or big thing. Every testimony is miraculous, but some big thing doesn't matter. God comes to people in different ways, meeting them where they are, introducing them to Jesus. These three testimonies, Jesus is shown to be the fulfillment of the law. He's, been, he's shown to have power over the kingdom of darkness. And he's also shown to be powerful and can bring never-ending joy to a jailer who was bitter and angry, torturous man. So if you're a Christian, I want you to remember that as a member of the church, you are here for a reason. God is working through you to make disciples. Don't give up on people, no matter how many times they've rejected the gospel. Don't give up on them. You may just be the person who, you may be the person that leads them to Christ, or you may just be the person who plants a seed, but don't give up on people. I'm so glad that God didn't give up on me. I'm so glad that so many people kept praying. I'm so glad that that lady that came to my house that day gave me the gospel, right? Don't give up on people. Um, put on your gospel goggles at work and places that you hang out. Uh, look at everywhere, the, the grocery store, wherever it's at, as a Christian, you're on a mission field. For those of you who haven't turned to Jesus in faith and you're still trying to do this life on your own, you're trying to be a good person, like Paul told the jailer, the only way to be saved is to believe on Jesus. And what does that mean, believe on Jesus? What it means is that Jesus offers, as we started off the service, he offers rest for your souls. Because the Bible says the only way to be right with God is to believe on Jesus Christ. Now, what that means is you confess to God that you are a sinner. You agree with God that you are a sinner. 
You've sinned against God. And we know this is true. And you know this is true because all people have broken God's commandments. Everyone. Whether it be the Ten Commandments, whether it be our thoughts, our very nature is described as a sin nature from the womb. But you believe on Jesus. And what we mean by that is you believe that Jesus is the son of God. He lived a perfect life and he died for your sins. You believe he is the son of God. You believe he died on the cross and he died for your sins and he resurrected three days later. So when you die and you will die and you stand before God, you can be forgiven if you place your faith in Jesus. You can even do this now as we pray. I pray that if you're here today and this is your first time hearing this, that you don't leave here and not look into this even more. You know, one of the, the, the blessings and truths of scripture is that life is a vapor. Nothing is a coincidence. Right, you're here for a reason. A wise person would look into this even further. A wise person would not leave here without saying, hmm, what are you going to do with Jesus? Um, let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for these three testimonies, and I thank you for the testimonies that we're about to hear. I thank you that you're still working in this world. You're still bringing people to church. You're still drawing people to your kingdom. You're still being who you are, a loving and kind God who wishes to see all come to faith. So, Father, I just pray you would bless us during this time as we look at what you've done, how you brought so many people to yourself in so many different ways, and that we would be encouraged and motivated to see even more people have a story to tell about your goodness. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.